Welcome to the show. In this one, Dustin H. James and I talked to Fairbanks Ladies of Wrestling, better known as Flo. Two summers ago, Flo gave us access to the green room before their event at Willowaw Social in Anchorage on July 20th. We talked with event organizer and Flo co-founder Donald Crocker and wrestlers Leslie Dope, TJ Rocks Rivera, Thunder Thighs, and Freya the Slayer. Flo has since disbanded due to interpersonal conflict. So this episode stands as a snapshot of where this organization and its wrestlers were at that time. Here's a clip of the announcers talking to the audience before the show at Willowa. Absolutely no circumstances. Should you ever throw anything in the ring? Don't throw beer. Don't throw condoms. Don't throw anything. Just keep it clean, folks. Um, yeah, if you can just try to keep a slight hammer around the ring. I know we can't really do that always, but the security will be kind of coming around and picking up props. So just... Respect everyone's space, and on that note, respect each other, right? We're all here to have fun, so let's keep it, keep it cool, keep it fun, and thanks for coming. And also, on last rule, make sure you have a good fucking time tonight, everybody! This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, Thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed to the company man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber. Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. The following interviews were originally conducted with the intention of making a short documentary back when Crude was transforming from a physical magazine to digital media, and then eventually to this podcast. In that shuffle, the documentary was scrapped, but I always had the intention of producing something out of that content. I felt like there was just too much good audio, and the interviews were just too great to forget about. I've learned that there is a difference between interviews before an event and interviews after an event. The vibe is different, and the energy is different. After an event, the performers are either tired or extremely energetic, and the last thing they want to do is sit down for an interview. Before an event, they're getting prepared, both mentally and physically, so they're giving you access to an intimate setting of rituals and camaraderie. I don't know what we're doing. What do you uh, need? My stretchy pants. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to come and get your stretchy pants? <laughs> what, a, what is this? Um, oh, this is the, this is the curtain, yeah. Hi. Hey. My name's Kelly. Hi, I'm Alana. <laughs> Alana, nice yeah. to meet you. My character's Polly Esther, and she thinks that... She would hate my shirt. Really dumb. And I've got the worst costume ever. Gosh. She wants a... Uh, her first match, she cut my blazer. Yeah, DIY and, what is this shirt? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's pretty devalicious. <laughs> devalicious. 
That was wrestler Leslie Dope taking a break from her interview with us so wrestler Polyester could grab a pair of pants. This next clip comes from wrestler TJ Rocks Rivera, who talks about where Alaska wrestling was at that time. But the thing is, right now, this year, it's like the year of wrestling. And to me, it's, it's that slow burn. It's like a movie. It's a slow burn, but it's getting up there and it's getting huge. And I mean, there's been a lot of talk too in the lower 48 to people wanting to come here. And I think now is the time where it's time for wrestling to stand up and say, hey, notice us. And just like Alaska's being called, oh, you're another country and all that stuff. Well, guess what? We might be known as another country, but we're making noise. We're making our own like union of the fight stance, the wrestling, the we're now the, the Alaskan Hulk Hogan's and Randy Savages. So yeah, I think it was a slow burn at first, but now it's, it's getting up there and we're getting known because we're kicking down doors. On the surface, this type of women's wrestling is an event that involves personas with constant character development and story building. But under that, there's positive body image and self-esteem, escapism, and friendship. Here's wrestler Freya the Slayer talking about what the women of Flow mean to her. I think it's like 50-50, half huge confidence booster, half like really awesome core of women. When we were driving the school bus down here with the ring in it, me and the gal in it were like, man, I've never really had like a tight knit group of women before that are like really empowering to each other and super believe in each other. It's really funny because people will talk to us and they'll be like, so is there like real life beef between people? Do people like fight in the ring for real? And it's like, okay, maybe kind of, but never because they're mad at each other. If you hated someone, you could never wrestle with them because you're trusting them. You're trusting them that they're not gonna like actually pile drive you, slam your head into the mat. You're trusting when they jump, you're gonna catch them and flip them the right way. So it's huge. Like, of course, accidents and injuries happen, but there's so much trust that goes into wrestling that I don't think people realize. Like it's super uh, collaborative dance. I always like, people are like, well, it's not competitive. Is it, is it real? And I'm like, well, I've got like 50 bruises that say, fuck yeah, it's real. But, um. Yeah, there's just so much to it where it's like you're competing with yourself. Like you and another person are in a team and you're competing. You're competing to like get the crowd into it and you're competing to try to get the crowd to forget that they're watching fake wrestling. Like you want the heel to be such an asshole that people are like, I wanna see that girl get her ass beat. And they're real life pissed and they're supporting the person who's fighting them. That's the goal. When people are sitting there and they're like, oh, I'm so into it. I'm so mad. I hate that person. Or that was so crazy. They're not thinking, oh, this is like planned wrestling. They're like, that was a fucking awesome show. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work. So do you have a <clears throat> kind of a tagline, like a let's get ready to rumble or anything like that? Um, I do, but it's never actually seen by any of the crowd. Uh, we do a prep, like a, uh, so right before we meet, uh, right before we wrestle every show, um, we do this thing where we have like a, a pump up show meeting. And um, like, I guess my tagline for when we meet is that we're the best fucking show in this state. But how do you say it to them? Uh, so most of the time, uh, it usually goes, um, 
all those fucking people out there have no fucking idea what they're about to see because we know we're the best fucking show in Alaska. And that's how Eugene goes. And then we chant flow, and then we all get pumped up, and then we start wrestling. That was Donald Crocker, one of the original founders of Fairbanks Ladies of Wrestling. He handles show logistics, writes the storylines, commentates, and is also the ring announcer. You started Flow, correct? I helped start it. I, so I didn't actually, um, I wasn't there for the initial trip to Dawson where we, everyone found out about pro wrestling. I grew up uh, loving pro wrestling as a child. And so when they, all my friends came back from Dawson, they told me about this uh, wrestling thing and they knew that I was a fan of wrestling. Uh, it also happened that I also, that I owned, a, I ran a bar um, on the campus of the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And so I had a venue that we could put on a wrestling show. So they, we kind of talked about it and I helped get the first show going. And then we realized that people were really into ladies wrestling and we were like, well, can we do a standalone show? And so we tried one out and um, it came out pretty well. And we kind of just started taking off from there. Um, we, when we originally started, uh, there was four wrestlers, myself and the two guys that built the ring. Um, and that was all flow was, uh, we planned on only doing a single show, um, and nothing else. Our first ring was made out of a, a birch tree that we had cut down from our buddy's cabin and turned into the ring post. And we used actual real ropes for, and then some wrestling mats we had stolen from uh, a local, um, uh, high school. And that was our ring. Okay, so how did you steal them from local high school? Uh, so uh, the other one of the other manage, uh, owners, uh, or I guess organizers, her uh, boyfriend at the time was a wrestling coach uh, at the high school, and so he lent us those. And then we kind of went to the uh, student rec center and borrowed some uh, mats from them as well. And so, can you tell me about the the ring that we're about to see? Mm-hmm. So the ring that we're about to see, um, it is. A, uh, we had to run a Kickstarter, um, and mostly it was, you know, it was a lot of family and friends, and then our kind of our fans, uh, mostly in Fairbanks, uh, they raised close to, uh, close to $4,000 for us. Um, so the ring is from Georgia. Uh, it was built um, uh, by a professional company, um, and it's our first professional ring. Um, and it's only the second ring, professional wrestling ring that's, a, that's in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, there's only one, only one other one. Um, this really cool dude named Mickey, he owns the other one, and he wrestles out of the NSA promotion out of Palmer. Um, but we're, we only have the, we have the second ring, that's the only other ring that's in Alaska. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little wonky still, which we'll try to figure out um, kind of all the physics of it, um, but it's really upped um, our ability to put on a great show. It's super loud. Our old ring was made up of wrestling mats which um, was a lot easier on the ladies, but it didn't make loud sounds. It wasn't as impactful, um, and it doesn't get the crowd as hyped as it does now. And so you want it to be loud? We want it, you always want the wrestling ring to be loud, because um, it's gonna, when the slams happen, it echoes, uh, no matter where you're at. And so to be able to hear like the impact of someone's body hitting a wrestling ring, um, that's part of the allure or draw of a live show. How much work goes in behind the scenes? How much training is there? How much practice? You know, like the stuff 
beyond the show? Sure. So the um, so the ladies train at least uh, once a week when we're not having shows coming up. Uh, when we get close to the shows, they're training, they're practicing their their ma matches every day. Um, they're running through. So we have we had, we lucked out and we got a trainer. Uh, he's been a professional wrestler for 12 years uh, in the Midwest and Appalachian Mountain area, uh, and he just kind of he moved up here to be closer to his son and. He contacted us one day, uh, and he wasn't super creepy. And so we met with him, and he's been an absolute godsend. Like, we would not be able to, the way that we wrestle now and the way our shows are run now would not be possible without, without a trainer. Um, and so he'll walk through matches with people. Uh, and then the two days before our matches, we do a dress rehearsal uh, where everyone, we run through the entire show, making sure everything we know what it's going to look like. Um, and things like that. But in terms of logistics for actual shows, um, this tour that we're doing right now, uh, that's going through Healy, Anchorage, and Homer, uh, we started working on that uh, in February. Uh, and we've just kind of been slowly chipping away at it ever since. Um, so usually, you know, we all have normal day jobs, um, and, but most of our time after that is spent doing flow stuff. You know, we've had a chance to uh, interview a lot of these girls and hear them talk about everything. It's been some pretty powerful stuff, you know. How are they affecting you as a person? The biggest thing um, that I can walk away from um, is just a brand, uh, just it's a new respect for um, a things that a person can accomplish, a person that like uh, can uh, become if they really choose to. Um, you know, you meet someone, um, it's the idea of you know not judging someone by the first meeting or the second meeting, but by a lot of different meetings. And so it's um, you know we have some wrestlers that were super quiet when they first started with us, and because it's just something about going in the ring and playing an extension of yourself, um, it just brings out a whole new personality and like just completely shocks you and like something that you would never expect it from that person from other instances or ways of meeting them. So I, it's. It's made me aware of. It's made me aware of the abilities of um, of these people that are in my Fairbanks community, and also on the out downside of it, um, also just kind of the shittiness of 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 mostly dudes um, that are pro wrestling fans um, that like to shit on uh, women's wrestling and like to shit on women's wrestlers. Uh, and don't feel like they're as valid of wrestlers as as men are, um, and also just how shitty dudes are um, in general. Um, we all one of our marketing techniques is a lot of the women are on Tinder as their character, and then we use the Tinder account to promote our shows. Um, and just watching some, looking at some of the messages people get is just uh, shocking. Someone can think like, this seems like a good idea to send to somebody. Like to like sit on my face and like ride it for a while. Like that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Like for someone you've never met before. That is fucked up. Do you um, so so as a um, as a, as a business person and mm -hmm. and and this is kind of a venture for you. Um, where did you see or where do you continue to see the worth in what you're doing in you know in such economic straits? So. The upside for mo for all of us is that I don't think any of us is that none of us have ever seen flow as some type of uh, cash cow 
or something that's going to make us a ton of money. Um, what it is is it's it's a community it's a community venture. It brings together all sorts of different people uh, into this community, and it's a supportive group of women and and men uh, that would not exist. Uh, and it might it's surrounded by pro wrestling, which is an odd thing, but it's uh, it's something that brings so many people together from so many different walks of life um, and in so many different experiences before they came here. Uh, and so I see it more as a way of us building community and building the arts in Fairbanks uh, and, and, and hopefully across the state. So what do you do for work outside of Flow? Sure. Uh, so I am a, so my job currently is as an academic advisor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And I work with students in, that are first-generation college students, students with a limited income, and students with documented disabilities. And I help them um, finish their bachelor's degree. And so what kind of people would you say come and watch Flow? So the people that come to Flow shows are a wide range of folks. Uh, we have you know, wrestling bros that grew up in pro wrestling just like I did, uh, that are huge fans, huge marks. Uh, we also have uh, just casual fans because we do storylines that don't take pro wrestling very seriously. It's more uh, theatrical than what you'd see in WWE now. Uh, it's more closer to like 80s WWE or GLOW or things like that. And so we can attract the casual fan that doesn't really need to know like what a uh, acai moonsault is, you know. Um, but they see cool characters and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Christine. Oh shit. Yeah, we got okay. Cool. Yeah. So, if people were to walk away with a message, what would you hope that message would be? The message I hope people walk away from after seeing our show is that men or women, doesn't matter, when they're in the wrestling ring, anyone is capable of becoming a professional wrestler. And they're capable of doing absolutely extraordinary things and just being able to be themselves uh, is, is, uh, and be accepted by the crowd. In this next interview, we talk with Leslie Dope. She says her persona is a derivative character based on the Parks and Recreation character, Leslie Nope. But if instead of being on track to become president, Nope got wrapped up in a political scandal and now has to find a new ladder to climb. And that ladder is professional wrestling. I don't even feel like I'm in character until I walk out to where the crowd can see me. So like when I'm backstage, like when we've had curtains up or something like that, before I bust out and my entrance music comes on, I don't feel like I'm my character. And then once I'm out there, then I've got like my little march I do, and that smile and my wave, and, and then I'm in character. So it's just, it's the crowd I think for me. Yeah. Tell me about your costume. My costume, it's, it's gone through some iterations. So the very first time, um, I, I wrestled, it was at our Midnight Sun um, last, last summer, last June, and I didn't have a wig yet, so I'm one of the few that wears a wig, so I have a blonde wig. And my original costume, I didn't have a wig, and I had these underwear that I used uh, super glue and tape to put Biden on my butt. <laughs> so my pants got ripped off in the middle of the match and I had Biden on my, on my butt. So that was pretty fun. But now I've, I've gotten it a little more legit. So I've got like the blazer that says dope on the back and um, always patriotic. So always red, white, and blue. Yeah. How does your persona affect or inform the way you see yourself in the world? 
So my persona is really interesting. I'm, I'm not a patriotic person at all. I, in fact, tried to like find a career that could help me not live in the United States. And so it's really fun to play this like uber patriotic, uber like bubbly person because that's not really me. So it it's kind of like this other, I don't know, like this avatar of me where I can be something that I'm not for a short period of time. And it really takes that energy, like I was saying before with the crowd to like get me get me in that, that headspace, I guess. So it's just like a completely different person and it's really fun to play around with. <laughs> so do you think like after, um, after playing this person in the ring, do you see this character, this persona coming out in everyday life, normal life? Do you ever see yourself um, reenacting this character? Not I don't personally see myself ever like my character. I've been in situations where I've had friends be like, you're such a Leslie dope. So like I was with um, the Liza Soda, well Liza Soda Undying once, and she's like very involved in some local advocacy stuff. And I was at a, a Fairbanks activist forum meeting, and I just kept jumping in with all this stuff. And she was like, "You're such a Leslie dope." So it's just like these random parts of my life, I guess, might be kind of similar, but I wouldn't say that I see them. <laughs> so. So other people see them. I think maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... So, so wrestling is very physical. How do you prepare, whether it's mm -hmm. physically or mentally, or wh which one is more difficult for you? I would say the physical stuff can be kind of difficult. I'm not the best of like hand-eye coordination. I was a nerd growing up. I didn't play a lot of sports in high school or anything like that. So the physicality stuff has been challenging at times. Um, I'd say I do a little better with the character stuff, but the neat thing about wrestling is you don't have to be super strong. You don't have to necessarily be super fast. Like you can find your niche within wrestling um, based on whatever you can do. So whether it's like, say you're not really strong, maybe you're going to chain wrestle a lot. Um, just you can find your, your ways to work with what you got and still look pretty badass. What is your favorite move? Um, that I do. Yeah. So unfortunately, my favorite move, I don't know if I'll be able to do again. I, in this last show, well, my last show in June, um, I did a curb stomp that I call the sisterhood stomp and my uh, ACL and MCLs got stretched and partially torn, but it was my favorite move. It looked badass and it was super cool. Um, so we'll see if my body lets me, but that's definitely my favorite move so far. What are your greatest, like, would you say your challenges that you guys face? As a group, or Both as a group and as individuals, you know, like what represents, yeah. you know. Um, I'd say like challenges we've faced so far has really just been like getting taken seriously by, by people. You know, we we before I even joined, you know, they started out small at the pub where Donald used to work at UAF and like with a kind of janky ring made of birch trees and stuff like that. And we've just grown and grown and gotten better, but still up until maybe this last show, we still were fighting every time we tried to get booked. And, you know, we're fighting to get people to, to really take us serious. And we're like, no, like we've got this huge following now. We're commanding, we're selling out bars. Like we should be taken seriously. Sure, we're niche, but um, that's been one of the biggest challenges, I think, challenges, I think, like as a group and being one of the people that's helping out with the the organization side of stuff. Um, and for me personally, the physical stuff has still been a challenge. It's just hard to to get into that athletic space for me because it hasn't been something I grew up doing. Um, but it's also really exciting to kind of take that on. What kind of people come to come to watch for? It is a mixed bag. 
It is such a mixed bag. We've got our people, you know, like we've got our core group of people that are always coming to our shows who, you know, are our friends or just people who really enjoy what we do. And then we've also got those really random people that just are like, oh, cool, women's wrestling. Definitely always the people that are like, you know, is it mud wrestling? Is it naked wrestling? Is there going to be jello and all of that, which we don't always appreciate, but always offers a good opportunity for some banter. So. <laughs> If people were to walk away with a message, what do you hope that message would be? Um, that anyone can be badass. I really think like that's the beauty of flow. Like we've had such a diversity of people involved in flow that it's been really cool to see each of us find our our niche and our path within within ladies wrestling, and it's just been really really rad. Like anyone that wants to join flow, like if you feel if you were passionate to be in flow, you could do it. You could find a way, no matter your physicality, no matter, you know, anything. So, yeah. In this interview, we talked to TJ Rocks Rivera. TJ says that as a young girl, she started watching wrestling at three years old. At five, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. She starts this interview by explaining how wrestling helps her overcome the perceived limitations of her diagnosis. So when I was five years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Wait, is this real or is Yes, this, this is actually real. <laughs> okay. But yes, I became diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 5. I'm 29 years old now. And when I get in the ring and I become the persona of TJ Rox Rivera, I don't feel like I'm a diabetic anymore. I feel like I'm a person. I'm an independent woman. I'm a fighter. That's awesome. So what's, what's the biggest benefit that you've taken yourself through this whole process of being being a wrestler, you know, how has it impacted you personally as an individual? How it's it it's helped me come out of my shell. It's made me a better person. And like I said, I'm a type one diabetic. Before it was a scary thing, like to do sports and everything else. But when I get in that ring, I feel so empowered. I I don't even feel like I'm a diabetic or normal anymore. I just feel like I'm the person I want to be. I want to see myself like this. And I wish I can go back in time and let my five-year-old self know, you don't have to be scared anymore. You know, just because you're in the hospital and you feel weak and you feel tired and sick all the time, stand up and have fun and live life because it's never promised and it's never guaranteed. You know, there's things that can happen in life. And being a type one diabetic, you feel weak and scared because you don't know what tomorrow brings, but being a wrestler made me feel like if something happened to me tomorrow, I can smile and say that I wasn't scared to live. I was happy that I made myself stronger. And that's what I love about it. That's great. Um, so how did you get involved with Flow? I got involved Flow very interestingly. Last year, I actually had neuropathy. I found out I had neuropathy and I was going through a really bad time. And my boyfriend, who I actually met through in professional wrestling, was like, Tiana, we have to go to Fairbanks. And I was like, okay, we'll go to Fairbanks. And he's like, Tiana, there's wrestlers up there. There's female wrestlers. I want you to go see them. I'm like, I, I really don't feel like it right now. You know, I'm not in the best of health. He's like, no, I'm gonna get you in the best of health and you're gonna see these women wrestle. And when I did, it, it just re-energized myself. And I was like, I have to get better. And slowly and surely, I got better, and I performed with them December 6th of 2017. That was the first time you did? Yes. And what was that first time like? That, <laughs> it was amazing, because 
I had trained for five years and I never got a booking. And when I did in December 6th, I cried. At, at the first match I had, I went down the stairs, I had my wrestling match, I went up the stairs, I saw my dad, my boyfriend, my friends, and I just bawled. I just cried because it was like, it was, it was more than a, like a title shot. It was more than anything in the world. That was my WrestleMania in a sense. So how did you come up with your wrestling persona? My wrestling persona, I have always loved to dance. I always go to Myrna since I was 21. That was my big place to go. So if I would, even if I didn't have a drink or something, I would love to dance. That's my thing. I love to dance. I love to have fun. So I was like, well, I've been to raver shows. I've been here. I've been there for dance. That's my persona. I want to be that raver. I want to be that rock star, but I want to also be that fighter. I want to show people you can have fun and also beat people up. <laughs> okay, so how does your persona affect or inform the way you see yourself in the world? I want to be different. I don't, I don't want to be like famous or well-known. I just want to be myself. I want to be my true self. And if it inspires somebody to do that, that's an achievement for me. I, like there's little kids that are like, you look weird, but that's awesome. Oh, you can always be weird and have fun and be yourself. So you don't have to fit into the mold all the time. Just be yourself because it's just boring, not just trying to conform yourself to society and just be another drone. Do you see your persona coming out in your normal everyday life? Do you ever see your character kind of these things crossing over? Yes. <laughs> Since I love anime too, it's like I am a superhero slash anime person. So like, uh, I really love Marvel comics. So I feel like, I guess, Captain Marvel in a way. And as for anime, I'm just that fun loving anime person. That's awesome. Okay, so if, if people were to walk away with a message from tonight, what do you hope that message would be? I hope, I hope two things. Number one, I hope they have a hell of a good time. I want them to have smiles and say, holy crap, I've never seen this before and tell their friends, tell their friends' friends, tell family members. I want it to be huge. I want Flo to be known, not inside Anchorage, but all over Alaska, all over the world. I also want women to be inspired too. that. You know, it, it's sad because sadly, a lot of domestic violence happens here and a lot of women are like insecure and don't feel significant. If women come here and they see what we do and they feel inspired and empowered, that is a huge, huge gain for us. I know I would love to see a woman say, thank you. You know, thank you for making me stronger. Thank you for making me feel like I'm somebody. I'm not some dude's, you know, plaything or some girl's manipulation toy. I'm me and I can be stronger than who I think I am. And that's what I would love to see. In this interview, we talked to wrestler Thunder Thighs. She starts by explaining how she got into wrestling, how a couple of her friends were inspired by a women's wrestling event they saw in Dawson, Canada, and suggested they do something similar in Fairbanks. I came back to town, and we were all sitting in one of my friend's living room, and uh, Donald and Sarah were like, what if we started one in Fairbanks? Would people be interested in this? And I was like, uh, fuck yeah, <laughs> I would be interested. Let's do it. Um, I had been doing a lot of bodybuilding before that, like I started bodybuilding my freshman year of college um, 
so, and I hadn't been bodybuilding recently, so I was like, this is great. This is kind of an outlet for all of the um, weight training that I've been doing, and also it's like performance art. So I just dove headfirst in, and we put on our first show. And so how did you come up with your persona? I came up with my persona, Thunder Thighs, first because I wanted a clever name, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got big thighs, so I guess I'll start there. Um, and my big moves are always with my legs. I wanted to, like I said, incorporate weightlifting. So I do a lot of stuff with like, I squat people. I name a lot of my wrestling moves after things I would be doing in the gym. Um, so I wanted it to be like around my body and then also I think it's really important for women to see like a person who's not super skinny and I um, wanted to not just be a person wrestling who's not super skinny but I wanted to be that person and just fucking own it. I want people to like know that I am not ashamed of the fact that I have like a bigger body. Yeah, so that's, that was how I came up with it. <laughs> so what, what does the costume look like? I wear all black. Um, from day one, I knew that I wanted to be a heel, so like a bad character. Um, I've been wearing the exact same outfit since we started wrestling. It's just black leggings, a black top. I added like a cape here and there, um, some silver here and there, but that's it. Uh, my The biggest part of my costume, I would say, is that sometimes I have these guys help me out with my persona and I call them the golden boys and they wear little tiny gold shorts and I paint their bodies gold and they carry me to the stage or I walk across them to the stage. It's great. Are they yeah. going to be here tonight? Uh, no, I don't have, I usually use them for like when my event is the main event of the show. Um, I think I'm rallying a couple guys together to help me with my entrance, but I'm not going to have anyone in little tiny gold shorts. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit more about the Golden Boys here, because this is a pretty <laughs> Yeah, uh, I got the idea for the Golden Boys because I watched a little bit of WWE wrestling, and there's always, like, these women that are, like, on the shoulder of guys, and they start a lot of the fights. Like, two guys will be like, oh, you touched my girl, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And I was like, oh, that's very objectifying and fucking weird. So I was like... I'm going to take that concept and turn it around and I'm going to have these guys as props for my character. I'm going to like, they're always going to be changing, um, they're never going to have names, they're just going to help me with my entrance and help me during my fights, but that's it. So what is, what is like uh, your character, these performances, currently is wrestling, what does it do for gender roles to you? I mean, is, is mm -hmm. it breaking them down? Is it, is it changing them? Is it, you know, like... Yeah, it, I think that flow definitely breaks down some gender roles. Um, my character, I try to be like very strong, badass, kind of silent. I don't talk a lot of shit during my thing. Um, and I just don't think that you usually see that in female professional wrestling. You saw see a lot of women who are like, oh, she pulled my hair, and then they have a fight. Or you see, I don't know, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> like, you just see a lot of weird stereotypical gender roles, and I try really hard to not 
fall into any of those and also not have my character revolved around my sexuality. That also happens a lot in professional wrestling. And um, I didn't want that. So do you think being just like a, a ladies only um, organization that that allows you to kind of step outside and and kind of break down the standard traditional gender roles because typically you see women as kind of like part of the greater male organization? Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's just centric, like it's all around women. I don't think that we have a lot of performance art like that. Um, in Fairbanks, I can think of like the roller derby girls. That's a really big one. Um, but yeah, having it be women only is great. It like, like provides a really safe place for a lot of women that don't usually have that. And it also breaks down the stereotype of female wrestling always being this like mud wrestling or jello wrestling thing. <laughs> um, I really hate that. Um, and we get to like, prove that this is this badass corporation of women throwing each other around and doing these really cool athletic moves, not in mud, not in jello. We're not here to put on any sort of sexualized show for people. If a character has any sort of um, like sexual charisma, that is that character. We're not a like sexualized organization which is what a lot of people assume an all-female wrestling organization would be. How has this being involved in, in professional wrestling and, and you know, how has it benefited you the most as a person, as an individual? Gosh, being a part of Flow has given me um, a lot of confidence in a lot of different ways. Uh, I get to be surrounded by a lot of really supportive women who all love doing this thing that I love doing, and that's really great. I've made a lot of friends through it. Um, it's also benefited me in, you know, I brought up before that I named myself Thunder Thighs in order to like own my body image. Um, and having named myself Thunder Thighs, it puts me in a position where other women are seeing this. And then I've had other women come to me and be like, that was so cool. I love what you're doing. I love that your name is Thunder Thighs because it's generally a pretty derogatory term used towards women who are not skinny, right? Um, and having that experience of other women coming to me and telling me that I've given them confidence about their bodies has been like a huge game changer for me. And one of our wrestlers told me that like, she said that she saw us wrestle, she saw my name, she saw me wrestle, and then she became interested in doing it. And now she's full-time wrestling with us, and that feels awesome. In this last interview, we talked to wrestler Freya the Slayer. She starts by talking about wrestling personas, where they come from, and how they can permeate real life. How do you get into character? Um, well, everybody's character is really just them, but like 3.0. So it's you super amped up. And there's so much adrenaline when you walk out into the ring. It's like the best high you could ever have. You could not replicate it anyway. So once you're out there, it's just like, all right, we're going. And so Freya is just like me, but saying everything I wish I could say. Because I'm a teacher, so I like hold it all in. And then when I'm Freya, I can just go. What, what grade do you teach? Middle school, eighth grade. I substitute taught for a while. Oh, yeah. And within the whole, like I guess, um, teaching spectrum, mm -hmm. 
people know that if you like you were either a middle school teacher or you are not. That's true. I like middle schoolers. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. I'm probably not a middle school teacher. <laughs> you know, you just have to like prison rules. You have to win the biggest, baddest kid. Okay. So when you find the boss, you beat them. And then you're on top. <laughs> oh, it's true. I play basketball, so I find the kid that's the coolest every year. He or she. Beat them at one-on-one. Exert everything I have into really embarrassing them. And then from then, everyone loves you. Do you think that, is that you? Or is that a little bit of your persona kind of like leaking over into your real See, life? See, that's, that's it. Like, my persona really is still me. It's just me more. Yeah, and all my students think it's so great that I wrestle. So okay, they don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, every time I'm in the newspaper, they tell me. They come show it to me, and they're like, Miss States, you're in the paper again. It's like, yeah, I know. They're like, when are you going to be the teacher Your name, your, like, tagline could be, you're going to get schooled. That's their, their good idea. So, obviously, wrestling's benefiting you outside of the ring. You know, what, what, what ways is it affecting your life now? Obviously, with your students, but... Um... Wrestling's a super good release. It's like very cathartic going out there and performing. Like I've never been in a band. I didn't do anything where, you know, you're doing something in front of a crowd. And so I have always had friends that do all this performing and I would always go support them, but was like, oh, that's just never gonna be me. I'll never be in the spotlight like that. And then when we're doing wrestling, I was like, wow, I see why people do it. Like, I get it. I get why people like going on stage. Wrestling's like very physical, right? So yeah. like, how, how do you prepare for that? How have you like gotten used to that over yeah. the time of being a wrestler? Um, me and Thunder Thighs are really a perfect tag team because we've always been like solid women. Like no one would ever call either of us dainty. And so we've like, have always joked that we accidentally hurt people all the time just in life. And we're always like, man, I didn't really didn't mean to hurt that person. And like in wrestling, we're like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be really strong and throwing people around. So it's really funny because we're both like, man, this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing is body slamming people every day. Um, have, have you had any injuries? Yeah. The first time we started wrestling, I uh, slipped off a mat and like landed on my shoulder. I got a concussion when someone landed on my head. I flipped over them and then they like ass slammed my face. One time, Mary, we were practicing a move and her ass ripped my nose ring out and cut my face in three places. I still don't know how she pulled that off. Dude. Yeah, I had like... As someone with a nose ring, I'm... Yes. She ripped it out, cut next to my eye, cut my chin, all with her butt. Okay, so how how important are all these ladies to you? Oh man, super important. I see these people all the time. Like our ring is in my backyard. I don't think I have gone this whole summer a day without seeing a flow wrestler. Like, yeah. It's really nice to have a community of people who are like checking in on you. Like, hey, I noticed you were quiet because I see you every day. You, you were a little different today. And it's like, oh yeah, you would know because you had my head in your crotch earlier when we were wrestling. You would notice if I was in a bad mood. Yeah. Cool. Sorry. Didn't so mean to bring up crotch-based wrestling. <laughs> so if people were to walk away with the message from watching your performances, watching Flow, mm-hmm. what would you hope that message would be? I hope that if people go to a Flow show later when they get asked to do something crazy that they say yes. 
when they can see us and be like, okay, these are like moms and teachers and students and professionals and people with like really normal day jobs. They can go out and fucking wrestle in front of hundreds of people. I can go do that crazy thing I always wanted to do. I should go be more adventurous in my own life. Like, instead of being like, oh, I don't know, I'll say, fuck yeah, I'm gonna go do that thing. That's what I hope people come away with. You can support local grassroots journalism at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. This episode included additional help from Dustin H. James. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. <laughs>